Morning, everyone. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the CBS Community Cable of Summers in Philadelphia. A beautiful, lovely end of it. Lively over here. What well, was lively till all those kids went downstairs. Tuesday morning, we are continuing with Derek Hashem. Chela Gimel, Perik Beis, Paragraphs Gimel, Simon Gimel. Gimel, Beis, Gimel. And the Ramchal here in Perik Beis is laying the groundwork for for a lot of things that have to do with the realm of the, the supernatural and man's ability to interact with the supernatural, which is essentially, again, what Chela Gimel is all about. There's the natural, uh, above the natural, the supernatural, and the ability of the natural to connect with the supernatural. That's a very, very, very... Um, concise, maybe, way of of describing the first three sections of Derech Hashem, but that really is the, the flow of the first three sections of Derech Hashem, Hashem's vision for the universe, Hashem's interaction with the universe, and then how the universe can interact back with that realm where Hashem himself is. And that's why we have all kinds of interesting things going on over here, the dream world, the spirit world, um, premonitions and prophecy. And the Ramchal in Perik Beis is, as we started yesterday seeing, is laying the groundwork for the, the, the giving us the basic principles that are eventually going to take us to understanding things like prophecy, how prophecy works, and sorcery, and um, using names of God to pull things off uh, above the above the laws of nature, to break the laws of nature. And the first stage in laying that groundwork as to how these things are going to work is, is, is what we saw yesterday, that um, everything down here is controlled and determined by koichis, levels and levels of reality above, and there's power over there. Generally, that power is limited by its instructions, limited by the directives that it receives from above. And generally, what we see down here is exactly to a T of the directive of the, ult, the, the, the the final level of power above that, which came from the level of power above that, the kayaks of the mouth to the kayaks of the mouth to the kayaks of the mouth, all the way up to the highest level to Hashem himself. In addition, though, at every level, there is a, 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 an ability for every kayak to have independent functioning for it to, like, sort of, for that power to be usurped and to be used outside of its directive, outside of the exact, precise um, mission statement, an assignment, assignment that's been handed from above, and and that's uh, opens to the ability, opens the door for manipulating these powers up there, making things happen down here that go counter to the laws of nature. That's when I have the ability to access the 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 the, the second stream, the second flow, the second um, set of of uh, operating rules that all the levels of Kaychas have above. Okay? So that was Aleph and Beis yesterday, that although every level functions precisely according to the laws of nature, according to the laws of its own its own laws of nature, every Kayach above, those Kaychas can also be manipulated and that power can be can be um, used in such a way that it will go against how it's supposed to work down here. You can break the rules. You can break the rules up there, but we saw that even when you break the rules... There's rules within breaking the rules. We saw that yesterday also. There's limits to what you can do even when you are manipulating man and manip- manipulating matter and energy of the spiritual realm. Gimel, we're going to go further today and we're going to see, Ramachal is going to give us some more yisais, more principles that are laying further groundwork in in um, understanding how we down here in the realm of Tab and the realm of the natural can be involved in the supernatural, how we can be involved over there. 
And that's um, coming up now in Gimel. So let's see that together. We are in Chela Gimel, Perak Beis, Simon Gimel. And... Um, so, the Ramchal now says like this. What page? I don't have the same edition as you do. I can find a few though. Section 3, Chapter 2, Paragraph 3. 3, 2, 3. Okay, who wants this one? Who's this one for? Okay. Um, it used to be a whole bunch of them over here. What happened? Disappeared. Yeah. Umichlau um, in In addition to what we described in Alvin Bays, which is again, all stations of transmission in the spiritual realm have two sets, uh, two two ways they can operate. They can operate based on what exactly what they received, or you can manipulate that power, manipulate that energy. And so, in addition to that, Hamchal is going to again give us some principles over here, which allow another way of us interacting with upper realms and being involved in upper realms, and that has to do with. Ideas that we've already established earlier, which which is that a person is really a fusion of two opposites. We are a combination of two opposites. Every human being, this is Jew and Gentile alike, we are a combination of a body and a soul. And there's Shnei Hafeichem, the Ramchal says they're two opposites and they are opposites. They're not just different, they are opposites. And by telling us they're opposites, they really oppose one another. Meaning... Um, the very fact that our neshama and our guf, our body and soul, are able to be connected, is really in of itself miraculous. That in of itself is is um, something that goes against the laws of nature. A body is physical, and it's made out of one type of, you know, um, substance. And a soul, a spiritual, is made out of a different type of substance. These two substances are are at odds with one another. They are, you know, min b'she'enay minoy. It's like oil and water. You know, you mix, shake up oil and water. So after a, you know a minute or two, they separate themselves out because they can't mix. They can't combine. A body and soul really cannot combine with one another. Um, the very fact that we're a combination of a body and soul is a constant miracle. Um, and we say that in davening every morning. God is the one that gives us the soul. God is the one that maintains the soul. And God is the one that that, that, that that ensures that the soul remains attached and fused to us. That requires a a constant, ongoing miracle. And when we wake up in the morning, again, these are restorations of miracles. Um, not so is the lower soul. The lower soul is not miraculous that the lower soul is connected to the body. The lower soul, the animalistic one, that's not a constant miracle. Remember, we talked about the upper soul and the lower soul. There's a lower soul that man has, and that's the one we have in common with, with all animals. That's physical. The neshama, the nefesh tachtoin, is, is, gashmi is not ruchni, and we saw the Ramchal said a lushan of its dak, 
It's a mitzvah stack. It's something very undetectable, very imperceptible, but it's still physical. Um, the fact that every animal is alive, that's not, that, that doesn't represent something that is against the laws of nature. That doesn't represent something miraculous. Although we did say that Hashem Himself is in charge of life, Hashem Himself is always inserting the lower soul in, in, from the from the blue whale down to the down to the ladybug. Hashem is always infusing everything with life, twenty four seven around the clock. But the life that's there doesn't go against the laws of nature. The law, the life that's there is within the grain of nature. It's something physical. It's connected to the blood. The blood's connected to the body. The upper soul, the nefesh elyon, really shouldn't be able to connect to the nefesh tachtoin and certainly to the guf. It's a constant fusion of shnei hafechem, two opposites, two two entities that oppose one another. That gives us, though, an ability, the fact that we're two opposites that are necessarily cemented, mechuber, connected to one another, gives us an ability to use that to our advantage. On the one hand, it's a miracle that's constantly keeping us alive. On the other hand, if I have something connected to my body, which is very opposite to my body, I can use that to my advantage if I know how to use that, if I know how to exploit that. On the one hand, it's true, as we mentioned, the fact that the neshama is connected to the body limits the neshama, that, that, that caps the neshama, that diminishes the neshama, and we gave all the neshalim putting that racing car engine in, in a, in a um, dilapidated, derelict, decrepit car. We talked about the hot air balloon being weighed down by sandbags. We talked about the guy who is in the top secret meeting with the earplugs. So that's what happens to the neshama when the neshama is connected to the guf. The neshama being cemented to the guf is brought down by the guf, is limited by the existence of the guf. According to the, the functioning, the system, how Hashem set the whole thing up. Turns out that a person in his lifetime, in this world, he is limited by the rules of the body, limited by the rules of the physicality, and limited by the laws of nature. And those limitations that come via the body, via our physical presence in the physical world, limit the soul also. The neshama is tethered with with ropes, is bonded with, avoisos means thick ropes, to the body, which is bound by the laws of nature, the neshama cannot escape. So again, the body is limited because the body is physical. The neshama, although it's spiritual, is connected to something physical that limits the neshama too. And as we said, the neshama is prevented from insights, from awareness, from glimpses, from from perceptions of things that it should perceive. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted there to be a path, an approach, a means for a person being that he is still in existence all the way up, and he is connected to a neshama that on its own does have a high level existence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so now the Elam was asking this question a lot in the last few weeks, so what's the point if I'm going to be, if my neshama is going to be limited by my body, what's the point of having a neshama that goes all the way up if that neshama is limited by my body? Just wait till after I'm 20, then, then give me the neshama, right? So the Elam was asking this question a lot. We did give a few answers. One answer is that I, I get little sparks from my neshama, sparks of intuition in my learning, sparks of, of holiness in my davening, sparks of inspiration in doing mitzvahs. I'm getting little sparks from that neshama, so there is good reason to be connected to it, even though the neshama is limited. Also, we said, being that I'm one existence, one entity, all my work down here is investing in my neshama, um, enhancing my neshama, building up my, the potential of my neshama, which will be unlocked after 120. 
That's the uh, another reason why it has to be connected to that neshama. So even though the neshama is limited in the meantime, but uh, there is good reason why I'm connected to that neshama that allows me to invest in neshama. The Ramchal is also kind of going to walk up to that question now and give us another idea. It's true that the neshama has to be limited in its current form because the neshama is capped by the guf. There's a, a ceiling that the neshama hits due to the fact that it's connected to a physical body. At the same time, I do need to be connected to that neshama, even though the neshama is limited. But at the same same time, Hakadosh Baruch Hu established in this universe that being that at the end of the day, I am connected to a neshama which has such potential to be active in its environment up there and has such potential to be to be to be aware of and alerted to its surroundings up there and it's just limited by my guf there is a way for me to elevate the guf elevate the body to unlock the neshama a little bit even in this world even in this lifetime even in this realm there's a way of Elevating the body, which is the same thing as loosening some of those links that weigh the neshama down to allow me to release the neshama somewhat, even in a deliberate, conscious manner, to allow me to experience, um, to, to allow the neshama to experience what it can experience, to allow me to experience that neshama experience. Okay, everybody got that? There is a way to do this. He is describing amongst several things he's describing prophecy which is going to be a chapter in of itself but he's laying the groundwork now for prophecy so we did see that when a person goes to sleep that is a little bit of this right that the the, the body when it's inert when it's inactive um is in a state that also those links get loosened up and the neshama is able to float up um the difference between what we're about to see and that and and dream state and sleep state is that that is uncontrolled that is that is undirected when a person is asleep it's random, it's chaotic, it's haphazard. He doesn't know who his neshama is going to bump into. He doesn't know if his neshama is going to bump into a good angel or a bad angel or a demon. He doesn't know if his neshama is getting fed accurate information or inaccurate information. And he doesn't even know if the information that, that pops up in his brain is coming really from his neshama and really from an accurate source or maybe it's coming from... The Cholent. The Cholent. That's right. From last night's Cholent. So dreams are haphazard and chaotic. Even though a dream is a form of the body releasing its hold in the neshama and the neshama being able to get glimpses, but it's very undirected, very haphazard. What we're about to describe is there's a different way of releasing the chains, the bonds of the body on the neshama in a directed way, in a deliberate way, and in a way that you, if you do it correctly, you know who you're going to meet up with and you know who the, the, the neshama should be, should be, uh, should be, um, where the neshama should be sent and you can channel accurate information. Okay, that, that's the difference between dreams and, and, and what the Ramchal is building up. Again, he's building up the building blocks over here of what's going to take us eventually to prophecy. But he starts up by saying that we're, we're connected to a neshama that really goes all the way up. Nebuch, nebuch, that neshama is limited and reduced and diminished by the body. But Kosh Baruch Hu didn't want to set up the, the, that, that in such a way that it should just be nebuch, you know, till 120. We have a nebuch situation. If the neshama is indeed going to be reduced and, 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 and uh, held captive by the body, there's got to be a way, even in this lifetime, for the tables to be turned a little bit, for us to release the, the hold that the body has on the neshama, and for the neshama to really be able to experience what it can experience. So that's what we're in the middle of describing over here. There's got to be a way of doing it, because it, it, it doesn't seem appropriate 
that we have this this uh, connection that for under twenty years reduces the neshama. There's no way around that. There is a way around that. There's a way to bring down into the neshama glimpses, experiences that are outside the laws of physical nature, outside what the the the, the um, body is is um, the, 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 the how things should operate based on the body's hold on the soul. Rather, the neshama can be allowed to function according to its rules. And its properties, it can be allowed to be function, it can be allowed to function according to spiritual laws, even when it's connected to the physical. Because you can loosen the physical. Deliberately and directedly. When you do that, the neshama is released somewhat, and it can now get glimpses, insights, and understandings of the spiritual world. What was withheld from it when it's connected to the body. And furthermore, when a person is able to release the, the hold of the body on the soul somewhat, and the soul is able to rise up from that ballast and take the earplugs out and, and get glimpses of what's going on around it and experience that. In addition to that, the Neshama is also able to be more involved and more present and 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 uh, be more active up there in the spirit world. The Neshama can accomplish more when I release it. Ramchal, just in the final half a line over here, he let loose a very powerful Kabbalistic idea that the, the Kabbalists and the mystics are aware of and, and, and they actually use. And he's talking about that there's two things that can happen when I loosen up those links and release somewhat the chain that bonds the soul to the body. The soul now can rise up. But I can do that in a deliberate, directed way. So two things can happen. A, the neshama is now able to see, able to hear. It's not wearing those ear muffs anymore. It's not wearing the earplugs. It's not held in. It's able to wow. It's able to see in a directed way. It's able to interact with malachim up there. It's able to communicate. It's able to gather information. That's what we refer to as nevuah. It's also, though, able to be more active there, up in the spiritual realms, in the level, in the realms of the kaiyus and the malachim. It's able to be more involved. My neshama can't do as much up there when it's reduced and limited by the body because it's, it has a reduced existence up there. And I want my mitzvahs to be doing things up there. I want my davening to be doing things up there. I want my learning to be doing things up there. Now, it definitely does. It definitely does, but it, like in a muffled, earplugged kind of way. When we do mitzvahs down here, certainly those mitzvahs are active up there, but in a reduced way because we have a reduced existence up there. When I learn Torah down here, my Torah is active up there, but again, in a reduced way because I'm reduced up there. When a yid is able to loosen those links and be more active up there, then what he's doing down here is also more active up there. He's referring to the whole the realm of of, of kavanis of the mikubalim when they do their mitzvahs when they when they daven when they learn are able to loosen those links and be more present be more active to kind of slip away up there a little bit and their davening is doing more up there now their mitzvahs is doing more their their learning is doing more because they're more present this is the whole idea of like you know. Generally, we don't do this. It's not, we don't know this art. We don't know, um, you know, the, the rules of the game. 
we're, we don't. It would be. It would be. It would be. Um, Uh, audacious at best, I think they're downstairs, they're downstairs, I think. Audacious at best, and, and, um, presumptuous at worst, or maybe presumptuous at best and audacious at worst, for us to say, well, when we daven, we can daven with all the, the kavonis of that Rashash, and the Rashbi, and the Ari, and the Rebchaim Vital, but anyone ever seen a sitter from the Mekubalim? You want to know what a sitter from the Mekubalim looks like? Anyone ever seen the Svardish sitter? Ezus HaMizrach? Hey, look at this, guys. This is what Svardish sitter look like. Now, look at this. Look, look what's going on over here. I see what's going on over here. There, look at this. And let me show you some other things. Every bracha, anytime there's a shame Hashem, anytime there's a shame Hashem in a Svarish you have, you have, you have, you have, uh, what? Kavonis. It gets, it gets very busy. There's a lot of activity. Here, this is, the Shem Hashem, they have Yudke Vavke, and then in the hay they have Adnos, and after they have different combinations, right? It passes around, let's let see. Every time there's a mention of the Yudke Vavke in the Svarish Siddur, you have all these letters, and it's very busy, very active, lots and lots of stuff going on. That is um, a, a device that those who are in the know, the mystics, the Kabbalists, what they do when they see something like that is they're... With their kavana, with their uh, medit- through meditative exercises, they're able to do a little bit of what the Ramchal is talking about, loosen up the links a little bit, and their davening is is now being done by someone who's a little bit more in touch with his with his upper existence. He's more active over there. He's able to do more over there. A, a person who really knows what he's doing. You, you got to know what you're doing. And that's none of us. You have to be in the right state of time. You have to, you have to go to the mikvah a lot to do these things. You have to know a lot of Kabbalah to do these things. You have to have worked very hard and very long on lots and lots and lots of things. Again, for us to say, I'll, I'll just start davening from a Svarash Siddur and I'm going to be in the Oilamas. When I'm davening, uh, you're not going to be in the Oilamas. You're not going to be in the Oilamas. You're not even you're not going to be down here. You're not going to be up there. You're not, you're not, I don't know where you're going to be. What? Yeah, the Twilight Zone. Maybe, yeah, the Twilight Zone. Um, nowhere. Nishtahe, nishtaher. Um, but, but to put things in perspective, that is what's going on with these Sidurim. Is what the Ramchal is referring to in the final line over here, is that there is a way um, of loosening the bonds, and what we accomplish is not only the insights that the Neshama gets, that's prophecy mamish, but we also accomplish when, when I can... Uh, through different exercises, loosen up those links and untether somewhat the soul from the body, the nisham is also able to be more active up there. Normally, the nisham's activity is, is also reduced. The same way the nisham's comprehension is reduced up there, its activity is also reduced. But when uh, those links are loosened, the nisham's activity is enhanced. The nisham is more active up there. That's the pshat in all the kavanas. What you're really doing, is, it's, it's a, it's a mahalach. It's a, it's an approach, it's a path to Releasing the body from the soul and concentrating my existence more in the soul than in the body and for my davening to be more powerful. That's what they want. That's what they're trying to do. 
we call tikkunim. To making tikkunim. Kavanas are there to make tikkunim. When you do that, when you shake a lulav and esrig, when, with all the kavanas, you blow the shoifer. You see scary things, there's sidur matter. They have scary things, like different combinations, names of God, and, and different letters and different words and different combinations. It's all about an approach, a guided path to elevate one somewhat, to loosen the body somewhat, to enter the realm of the soul somewhat more, and for that shoifer to be more powerful. For the lulav to be doing more. For the davening to be doing more. It's not just like spooky, heebie-jeebie, weird stuff. It's really just about concentrating myself more over there. And therefore, my davening doing more. Bring down more shefa, more bracha, my shoifer, bring Mashiach closer. And that's, that's Mamashu the Ramchal just spoke out over here. When a person is also, again, able to release those chain links and... Re- and, 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 and release the soul from being held captive by the body, he's able to do more up there, he's able to accomplish more on behalf of the world, in, in the origin points of this world, and how in, in this world, how it plays itself out down here. Um, yeah. Um, Good. I think that's a good place to stop. I would I would do the next paragraph, but I think I, I want to let, let it let, let it um, rest for today over here. Lots of process over here, and the Mir Hashem will continue tomorrow with Dal. Thank you all for joining. Have a wonderful Gebench today.